Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. It's okay to step away from something you love. It's okay to focus on your health and hopefully come back to that thing you love, loving it even more. That's what happened to Reed Chancellor. Reed is the author of Hardcore Anxiety, a graphic novel about punk rock and mental health. Playing in too many bands and doing too many tours, Reed's mental and physical health was waning. He took a break from punk, and it's during this time that he started working on Hardcore Anxiety, the story of how he realized punk rock and mental health have always been connected. Been there. I am Reed Chancellor. I am the author and illustrator of the book Hardcore Anxiety, a graphic guide to punk rock and mental health. I've played in punk bands for years locally, like all through the Midwest, hardcore bands, punk bands, pop punk bands, all that. Discovered music probably when I was eight or nine. I found London Calling by The Clash in my dad's records and just unlocked this huge Pandora's box in a way of all this music that it opened me up to and then dove just super deep into like the history of it and going all the way back to Iggy Pop and MC5 and all of that and then still to this day you know all the punk and hardcore bands and like finding that scene in my hometown which had a pretty good punk scene pretty good hardcore scene first hardcore shows and things I ever went to were all local bands supporting each other. I started my band and played for such a long time. And then sort of eventually we started fizzling out a little bit as a band and getting older and like having families. It was like, here's all these things that like are kind of coming up in my life. And are they, am I just like self-medicating with this punk music, which is really what I felt like I was doing. I wasn't into drugs or really had like a drinking problem or anything like that, but I was so deep into like playing punk music obsessively I suppose just like this was part of the problem like I was part of the problem of course but how I was dealing with this problem was also part of the problem so learning and taking the steps away from that and you know I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and ADHD and depressive disorder and anxiety and all of these things and it was just like so much all at once finding the connection between leaving punk and then getting depressed or like finding out these things about myself and starting to discover the connections between them and starting the the beginnings of working on the books and making different music. You stepped away from playing in punk bands. The message I got from the graphic novel was that you didn't feel like it was necessarily being healthy for you and you need to step away. And then at that point, make the connections between, hey, wait a second, what I'm stepping away from is actually punk rock has been helping you staving off mental health 
problems. For me, I know it was like looking back and thinking, wait a second, this has been like a huge part of my life, if not the biggest part of my life. And it has helped me through my whole life. But I had to step away to see that. Yeah, for sure. In punk, there's so much put on this idea of like, punk is not normal. We're not normal. We don't want to be normal. This outcast thing. When you're in that almost having like a problem or having like a mental issue is sort of like celebrated in a way that is sometimes not to put down celebrating any emotional or or mental thing, but that you're kind of like, I don't need help. I don't want help. I'm going to like, just take this on. I'm just going to play music and this is my medication. This is who I am. And this is how I deal with it. And there are some people that that works for. And I thought maybe I was that person for a long time. And then the second I stepped away from playing shows and doing these things, I was like, oh, no, I'm not that person. (laughs) Like, I need help in other ways. I need to be taking a harder look at what I do and, like, how I behave and how I act and just immersing myself in, like, being too busy and playing as many shows as I can or joining as many bands as I can is not, was not the answer for me. You think of some of the punk people that have been so self-destructive and gotten worse and worse with addiction issues and and self-harm, the more they pushed, the worse it got. And to be able to step away is really admirable. Do you remember the struggle of wanting to step away, not wanting to step away? I really didn't want to step away. It took a long time for me to kind of be okay with it. And, you know, the band I was in, band that I'm in, you know, through most of the book, In Hardcore Anxiety, Scandalmongers, that was the band that I had started when I was youngest. And it had been a band for like eight-ish years or so. And when that band ended, it was, what do I do now? And I was still playing in other groups. That was the only band that I felt like that's my band. So that made it a little bit easier to step away from playing. I was dating my wife at the time and she was really kind of pushing for me to like take time for myself. She always said, it's like, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. You need to stop trying to do everything. And I finally like took her advice and just was like, I'm gonna stop. And I'm going to kind of see how this works, because if it works, like I can find what the issue was. I didn't think it was the issue. I thought I was going to stop playing shows or like stop playing in a band. And then like a month later, be like, no, I'm fine. That wasn't the problem. But it was pretty apparent pretty quickly that like, oh, this was part of the issue. Like this is what was making me overdo a lot of things and neglect a lot of things about myself and a lot of just taking care of myself. What was the moment where you realized that you're in big trouble? I probably, the first time I think I ever remember thinking that like maybe I should calm down and like slow down with some stuff. I was in the hospital probably about six months before I met my wife. And uh, so I'm a type one diabetic. And so I had got DKA, which is diabetic ketone acidosis. My entire body just basically shut down and like quit functioning. And I was in the hospital for three days in the ICU. I just remember just feeling like, all right, I did this to myself just by neglecting to take care of myself, not taking my dosages, not taking medications. The second I got out of the hospital, it was like three days later, I went on tour and I went to Europe for a month. I knew in my mind, I was like, I was so excited to go and like be on tour and do that and play these shows and do all this fun stuff. In the back of my mind, I was like, I just got out of the hospital. I know I should not be doing this. This shouldn't be what I want to do, but I feel like I have to do it. So I'm doing it, force myself to be like, no, you can still do this. Shut up. Don't like put yourself down. You can do this. And I mean, 
I did the tour. The tour was fun. Nothing horrible happened or anything like that. But the month leading up to the tour, being in the hospital and then traveling internationally, it was like, maybe I do need to step back a little bit. And my wife was very much like a positive influence because I tend to just get trapped inside my own head. And she can kind of stop and be like, did you hear what you just said? I think if you knew what actually was like going on, you should take a little bit more time. And like, I mean, she was the first person to tell me to go see a therapist and like, hey, this is something you should really look into. And I just sort of slept it all off to the side. Like, I don't need that. Or I'm a punk. I'm do it myself. You know, DIY. I'm going to do all this stuff. Like I could handle it. And it's like, oh, that's so silly. Just really to think about. It's like, that's just such an odd way to think about things. You can take the time for yourself and be okay with it. And it has nothing to do with your punk credibility. And what is it about punks that don't want to ask for help? There's the whole idea of DIY. There's DIT, do it together, which I'm more of a subscriber to. But I think DIY, for me, I kind of applied that also to my health and I couldn't do it myself. I needed people around me. You mentioned your wife. I know she features prominently in the graphic novel as well. But, you know, having people around you, a support system that can actually help you, I think the problem most folks have is, no, no, this is my problem. I'm going to deal with this myself. I'm going to push it aside. I'm going to hide it with this or distract it with this. And it just isn't feasible. Did you get support from the punk scene when you came out as having mental health issues? Yeah, I mean, absolutely I did. It's like this idea that we the do-it-yourself thing, and we're all in that, and I don't need to be reaching out for help. I'm in this community that is going to stand beside me, but I don't feel like anybody in the community of like the punk scene or anything like that ever said, go get help. It was all like, yeah, be active, talking about like having your issues, being sad, having songs about rage and anger and stress and all these things. All of that's good. But like no one ever wrote a hardcore punk song about having a badass session with my therapist. That's not out there. I wish it was. I mean, that'd be really cool. And I mean, there's plenty of songs that are out there that have that basis. But like for a long time, there wasn't that. But like when I you know, started really outwardly talking about all of these issues within my scene, there was a lot of support. A lot of people came out and being like, I felt the exact same way for years. I felt like I had been like invited into this super like cool, exclusive punk rock, hardcore club, but I was the weirdo. Like I was the weirdo amongst the weirdos and no one else liked it. Everyone was like secretly, oh no, we don't want him around. He plays in that one band or that band is too weird or like they're not really punk. They just look punk. And it's like all of that. And you just sort of like starting to feel like the little clicks of it. Every system sort of has its own like high school hierarchy to where like even the punk scene has its clicks within its clicks. When you discover that, like, why? Like, why did I even bother? It's like, I can't escape it. And so then you're kind of trapped in a second hell within this bigger world that it's just like feeling neglected or feeling worthless, no matter where I would go. And that was a big part of it for me. Like so much of my mental health is based in like, I just don't, I don't feel like I have worth in it. And it's been a long road to get to where I, where I can recognize these things where it's like, yes, no, I, I do have worth. I know right now I feel this way. And in 20 minutes, I'm probably going to feel completely different. I share a diagnosis with you bipolar. When I was diagnosed back in 2018, I started cocooning myself with punk music because I didn't know what else to do. It was my safe place. 
And one of the things that I started to realize is that a lot of my favorite bands, Jawbreaker, Black Flag, talked about mental health issues in their songs. And, you know, I knew that it was always there. But after being diagnosed, it became way more profound. And, you know, I started hearing myself, my symptoms and my experiences in their lyrics. So it kind of gave me a whole new light on it. Like, I didn't really realize, oh, wait a second, Blake from Jawbreaker deals with bipolar symptoms. And his songs are about living with those bipolar symptoms. And did you have an experience like that when you took some time and started to do your graphic novel and getting into what some of these bands were talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's very much just like you said, it was similar when I got the diagnosis of it all. You see everything in like a different way. You hear everything in a different light. You pick it out because you're like, oh, I hear a song and I hear someone say something in the song and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I kind of recognize that sort of way of thinking and like spiraling and these things. And just like immediately that now has like a whole new connection to me. So there were bands that I found that I wasn't super connected to that I then became more connected to. Like Jawbreaker was a big one for me to where I always liked Jawbreaker. I always thought they were neat. I thought they were cool. I always liked Nirvana. So I thought Jawbreaker was the perfect bridge between that into like emo music. After my diagnosis and like diving back into it, I listened to Jawbreaker again and I was like, oh. get it like I felt like I got it so much more jawbreaker was that the replacements were like that for me I got into the replacements like way late both of those bands were kind of like the two that I highlight in the book that were kind of like late ones for me because like once I got that diagnosis I got that feeling I was like I see it like I get this music so much more it becomes more personal to me and that was super exciting I mean I'm staring at my whole like my record wall and it's like I could throw anything over there and I could grab the record and no matter what it is, I guarantee you there's a song on there that's probably got something about mental health. And it's like, now that you are aware of your own mental health, it just becomes so apparent everywhere else. Yeah. And it's almost as if whatever stage you are in your life, it speaks to you and it's going to be okay from the very basic messages of that kind of thing. We're in this together. It's okay. We're going to get through this to the very specific, like, okay, you're having this mental health crisis right now. And this song's about that too. And I've also gone through this, whether it's a suicide attempt or a self-harm or whatever it is, it's speaking now specifically to you. So I think it's really about where the person's at. It's like a gravitational pull for me. It's always been. Absolutely. Yeah you first emailed me and it was like, you know, oh, cause I listened to the podcast and it's like, yeah, the world's collide. And it's like the world of punk is so small in a, such a weird way while being so big, everything is so connected and whether it be in punk and be in mental health to where it's like, we all have these experiences. Punk is not just a genre of music. It doesn't mean spiky hair and snarly vocals. It's everything else around that. And that's what I think is what connects us that gravitational pull that we talked about before you know there's something that's pulling folks towards that scene because the people in that scene are very open as themselves i always wonder well how did i get to this place why do i have to wear like black t-shirts 90 percent of my life like why do i have to 
be the one person at the party who's just like, nah, this isn't for me. I got to go. This is not my scene. I got to go find the punks in the basement. It's that difference. Yeah. Do you know the movie High Fidelity? Just the opening line of that movie, which explains so much context of music culture. What came first, the music or the misery? That's it. Was punk first or did I find punk? Did punk find me? You know, how did we get here to this moment? And it's that same idea. It's so fascinating and wild. And we all have different roads and different journeys to get to the same place. But there's that connection. So it's wanting to find that and search for it. And what makes punk punk or what makes the culture part of that is that realness you know like you said being at a party like i want to i want to go find the punks i want to i want to get away from this like scene or something i totally get that and that can be anywhere because you just want to find i want to find real like i want to find realness somewhere and for me and for plenty of other people like the realness is within the punk community how are you doing these days with your health overall i feel pretty good which is so weird to think about. Like, <laughs> I know, right? We're not supposed to feel good. <laughs> We're supposed to suffer. <laughs> I know, exactly. It's just such an odd thing when I think about it. I mean, I'm, I'm doing a lot, which for better or worse, I guess, I feel like I'm doing just constant motion. I also feel good about it, which is a new thing for me, really. Mentally, my health has been pretty stable. I mean, I had a fairly recent diagnosis of the ADHD, which was kind of a big thing. Cause like, as a kid, I guess, like I always thought I had ADHD, but when you're a kid, I'm a kid. Of course I feel like that. I'm hyperactive and all these things. And then as an adult, you sort of figure it out and you're like, Oh, I'm still feeling that way. I probably shouldn't feel like I did when I was 13 at 28. Maybe there should be some growth or maybe like some difference in like the ways of thinking. And then, of course, that, you know, went down the all the tests and the talking with my therapist and that diagnosis. That's been a huge influence, like a huge positive. Positive because it's validating to know what you've been dealing with. Yes, that. And then also just it helping with the process of getting the right medication. And that's been like a big thing since I was diagnosed. It was a lot of let's go through this. Let's try this. Let's try this easy to get discouraged in that. This didn't work for me. Why didn't this work for me? This works for so many other people. Why didn't it work for me? I'm mad because the medication isn't working and then and then the medication's not helping. And like, there are all of these things that just make it feel worse. And it's like, is there something wrong with the medication? Is there something wrong with me? And then it would weigh harder and weigh heavier on me. Getting that diagnosis really did help me both validate like my feelings and emotions that I was going through, but then also that might explain why some of these things weren't really helping. That makes sense. Oh, this is it. I mean, there was a lot of trial by error with some stuff because there's a lot of medications that can really, for like mood stabilizers and things that can really mess with diabetes. And so that was kind of a stress. Diabetes and mental health, that's a huge thing that not a lot of people talk about. And I've started to talk a little bit more about that with like other books and projects I've been doing. I came out with a, a mini collection of comics last year about the connection diabetes and like short stories of dealing with di diabetes and type one diabetic issues and things like that with like proceeds going to like the insulin price crisis to where like, that's just such a huge thing. And a lot of diabetics don't talk about it. I never, no one ever told me 85% of all type one diabetics also have depression. That probably would have been helpful to know. <laughs> like <laughs> I would have, I would have liked to, to know that that's a normal thing that, I'm not alone in feeling that way because I felt like that when I was diagnosed. I mean, I was diagnosed when I was 
17 years old and this feeling of something's wrong with me. I need to know what it is. And then finding out it's a disease that I'm going to have forever. And then also like something still feels wrong with me. Could this be just diabetes? Is this just me having this? Is this just me? These things like that validation. It's silly that you, that we need that validation sometimes, but it does. It changes so much. It makes just the acknowledgement. Someone else. I see you. Yes, this is real. I understand other people have this same thing. Now that we can see it, now let's work on trying to fix it rather than just, if I ignore it, it doesn't exist. I want to come over to your team on this one because I actually was just diagnosed ADHD recently as well. All right. We're uh, buddies on the co-diagnosis <laughs> <laughs> team. I wanted to say that one of the big defining moments for me with reading the book was the scene where you're in the bathroom and you're in the shower and you're sitting in the shower and it seems like it's your low moment, which we all have or can have several of. But there is also a running theme in the book around the bathroom wall, and it comes up as kind of the defining message of the book. Can you tell me about that a little bit? The bathroom wall, it's funny. I always like to bring it up just because it makes me laugh. I have a friend who's a very successful comic book writer and artist. The first draft of the book, I sent it to him. One of his notes that he gave me, he was like, you don't have to use these notes, anything like that. But he mentioned, he's like, you realize that both the beginning of the book and the end of the book are like two of your most defining moments. And both of them involve you peeing. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, he's not wrong. I love that. And so I didn't think about it until he mentioned it then. But yeah, the bathroom wall, you know, just like any venue, everybody scribble stuff on the wall and writes crap on there and 90% of it's never like positive it's all just garbage and the messages were always there but I never like ever looked at them you know in the beginning of the book I look in the wall and in the corner scribbled there it says if you're in a local band you should kill yourself and I had never seen that there before and I had played this venue countless times and I don't know what drove me to look at it then I don't know what made that stand out to me in that moment so much but it, it did it really struck me and I was like how why why would someone say that and then also like should I like is that all I'm destined to be is that all this is and started like this ball rolling that almost like haunted me a little bit for a while and then the bathroom wall every venue and all this stuff and the cool part of the venue that's at the end of the book is the walls were chalkboard that was just how the walls were there that was what the venue did and and so it was different every single time, which is what I always think is funny is there are plenty of times I'd gone in there and it would, you know, have some terrible knock knock joke on there, or it would just be giant drawings of penises everywhere. And it's like all of that. And that's just as fun or exciting or hilarious or thought provoking as anything. But someone wrote, you'll make it out of this alive. That's true that I will. And I, it's fascinating to me when I look back on that, had that been there today, and I went in there, like, I don't know if I would have seen it. It was so specific to like that time, seeing it, that moment, where I was at, what I was doing, playing that show, and that kind of being my last show playing, just stepping away from it after that and being perfectly okay with it. The acknowledgement that you'll make it out okay, you'll make it out alive, you don't have to keep playing in bands, you'll be okay. And then seeing that on the wall, it's like, it'll be all right. It'll be okay. And that was just able to kind of happen for me. It's such an odd thing that 
peeing in a venue bathroom changed my life so much. But <laughs> to this day, every time I go to a show or like go to see something or anything like that, immediately I need to go to the bathroom first figure out where it is and be calm about it and everything like that. But then also it's like, if there's writing on the wall that I need to see, I need to see it now before it gets too late. <laughs> I never thought that I would be doing all the things I said. I never thought that my heart would ever be bleeding this red. And everyone just sits back and says that That was my conversation with Reed Chancellor, author of the graphic novel Hardcore Anxiety, available at microcosmpublishing.com. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Scream Therapy. I'm coming to you from Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klohomin Nation. Doing this podcast and talking to other folks living with mental health challenges has been a huge part of my journey. It means the world to me that you're out there listening. You can sign up for my newsletter and find more episodes at ScreamTherapyHQ.com. That's ScreamTherapyHQ.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Let's talk punk and mental health. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care and be well. Be well.